This program is brought to you by Bobbleway Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. You know, you've done something. It wasn't good. You're called before, if you're in school, maybe you're called before the principal. Or maybe if you're at work, you're called before the boss. Or maybe you've done something, you're called before the court. Now, if you did what happened, you'll be punished. If you're in school, you may get suspension. I don't know if they still give licks anymore or not, but you may get licks for it as well. If you are at a workplace, you may be written up. You may be fired. If you're before the court, you could receive a fine, prison time. Well, you know that you're guilty. Whatever it is, you know that you've done it. What do you do? Do you try to escape the blame? Blame it on somebody else? Or will you take personal responsibility for what you did, even though you know it's going to cost you? You know, it seems like human beings in general do not like to be held personally responsible for what we do unless it makes us look better in our own eyes. Well, then are we each accountable for what we do or is someone else to blame? Well, in order to get some definitions and on this lesson it's called personal responsibility, the word personal means belonging to a particular person rather than to anyone else. Responsibility means the state of being accountable or answerable. So personal responsibility, put those two definitions together and it is being accountable for ourselves. Now we are each personally responsible to God. In Romans chapter 14, verses 11 and 12, Romans 14, 11 and 12, it says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You know, in those two verses, we find there that we are going to bow the knee to God. We're either going to do it now in this life and we're going to live in obedience to Him or we're going to do it on Judgment Day when it'll be too late. We also see that every tongue shall confess to God. And again, we're either going to do that now in this lifetime or we're going to do it on Judgment Day when it's too late. But we do notice in verse 12 that we are going to give personal accountability for our lives. 
I'm not going to have to give an account for your life. You're not going to have to give an account for my life. Husband and wife will not be there before the judgment together. Families will not be there before the judgment together. Each one of us individually will be judged and we will take responsibility. We will be judged on what we have done. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 and 13, Revelation 20, 12 and 13, as seen of the judgment day, John wrote, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. So we see the same thing there. We are personally responsible for our actions. We're going to be judged by what we have done, by what we have said, by what we have thought. We are each one personally responsible for the things we do, the things we say, the things we think. We're personally responsible for that. So again, going back to that, we're personally responsible for God, to God for what we think. Several passages concerning this title here Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 is where we want to go first. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So we are personally responsible to God for what we think. Let's look at another example in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, and we're going to be reading verse 9. That verse says, And thou, Solomon, and this is David speaking to Solomon, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou that the God of thy father Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. So again, God searches our thoughts and we're personally responsible for our thoughts. In Psalm 10, look at verse 4. Psalm 10 verse 4. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. The American Standard Version renders that all his thoughts are, there is no God. So God knows what we think. In Psalm 94, look at verse 11. 
Psalm 94, verse 11. It says, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. And then verse 19, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. So not only does God know our evil thoughts, he knows our good thoughts as well. In Psalm 139, look at verse 23. Psalm 139, verse 23. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Have we ever think that the things that we think won't hurt us? You know, there was a little song one time, and it says, you can't go to jail for what you're thinking, but you know what? You can go to hell for what you're thinking because God knows our thoughts. In Proverbs 15, look at verse 26. Proverbs 15, verse 26 says, whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be shown before the whole congregation. His hatred is, let's see, 1526. I'm sorry, I was in chapter 26. 1526. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. So God knows the thoughts. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 7 through 9. Isaiah 57, or 55, 7 through 9. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Over in Matthew now, let's go look at a few passages in the New Testament. Matthew 5, 28 first. <laughs> Matthew 5, <coughs> excuse me, 5, 28. It says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That's in his thoughts. God knows our thoughts. In Matthew 9, verse 4. Matthew 9, 4. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your heart? <coughs> Excuse me. That's something kind of choking me up here. In Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19. Matthew 15, 18 and 19. Jesus said, But those things which proceed out of the mouth cometh forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. 
And then in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we ask the question, does God know what I think? The answer is yes. God knows what each one of us thinks. Now, who is personally responsible for what I think? Well, of course, that's me. Who's personally responsible for what you think? Of course, that's you. So we are personally responsible for God to what, for, by what we think, for what we think. We are also personally responsible to God for what we say. Going back to the book of Matthew, look at chapter 12, verses 35 through 37. Matthew chapter 12, verses 35 through 37. <clears throat> It says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words shalt thou be justified, and by thy words shalt thou be condemned. So we're looking here at something very important because how often have we said something before we think about what we say? Well, he first of all mentions that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account there of the day of judgment. The word idle there, the Greek word according to Strong's, means inactive, that is, unemployed, by implication, lazy, useless. Barnes in his commentary says the word means this. This literally means vain, thought, a vain, thoughtless, useless word. A word that accomplishes no good. Well, what would such words be? Well, how many times during the day do you hear somebody say, Oh my God, that is a useless, lazy word that accomplishes nothing. And all it, all it does is take God's name in vain. Because that's what the word vain means. It's useless. So many other things you could throw into that same category, but that's the one that really sticks out. Well, does God know what I say? Absolutely. So who's personally responsible for what I say? Well, that's me. Who's personally responsible for what you say? That's you. And we are personally responsible to God for the things that we say. Now, we are also personally responsible to God for what we do. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So right there tells us that we are going to be judged by what we do, and we are personally responsible for what we do. You know, Flip Wilson, if you know who he is, he used to have a little comedy act, and he would say, the devil made me do it. No. Nobody makes us do anything. We choose what we do. We are personally responsible for what we do. In Galatians chapter 6, look at verses 7 and 8. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Well, what's this sowing that we're looking at here? Sowing to the flesh. It's the things we do. The works of the flesh, such things as that. And what's this sowing to the Spirit? That's obeying God. So we are personally responsible for what we do. In Colossians chapter 3, look at verses 24 and 25. Colossians 3, 24 and 25. <clears throat> It says, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. No respect of persons with God. The things that we do. He doesn't care whether we're rich or poor or whether we're famous or not or whether we're one of his children or not. He's not there. He does not bring or take one above another because he has no respect of persons. He has respect of character. Now look at Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. <clears throat> it says there, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and, may, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So why do we bring that passage in? It's because we're personally responsible to God for what we do. Are we doing what God, Jesus, said here in these verses? If we're not, we're personally responsibility to God. We are personally responsible to God. 
In 2 Timothy 2.15, 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why do we bring that in if we're personally responsible to God for what we do? Well, it's because we are personally responsible to God for studying his word. Handling God's word right. We are personally responsible for that. In James 1.27, James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. We're personally responsible to God for doing that. In Matthew 25, go back to the book of Matthew again. Matthew 25, verses 31 to 40 is what we're going to be looking at. It says, And when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as the shepherd divided the sheep from the goats. And he set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he says this, For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and they clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? Or when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. That goes back to we are personally responsible for what we do. And God has given us the responsibility to do these things. If we want to hear, Come ye blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So, does God know what I do? Yes. Does God know what you do? Yes. Who's personally responsible for what I do? I am. Who's responsible, personally responsible for what you do? You are. We make the choices in our lives. Nobody else makes them for us. Now, we may follow someone's advice or something like that, but we still make the personal choice to do that. So we are personally responsible for what we do. But you know, we're also personally responsible to God for what we do not do. Let's go back to Matthew 25. Now let's read verses 41 to 45. 
It says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungry, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick in prison or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not unto the one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And then verse 46, he says, In these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So right there we see that we are personally responsible to God for not doing what we should be doing. What about Hebrews 10.25? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says there, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, are we forsaking an assembly of the church? We are personally responsible for God if we don't. How about James 2? And let's look at verses 18 to 26. James 2, 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he is called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know, we read that passage and we see one thing that faith without works is not perfected. And that's verse 22. But we also see that we can say, oh, I have faith. But if we don't do anything, it's a dead faith. And a dead faith doesn't profit anything. Then we go look at he excuse me James four seventeen. James four seventeen. 
Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Are there good things that we know that we should be doing for the kingdom of Christ? Yes. We've looked at some of those things, have we not? Visiting the sick, etc. Matthew 21, 45, uh, 25, 41 to 45. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews 10, 25. There in James 2, 18 to 26, there are works that God has given us to do. And here in James 4, 17, if we know that we need to be doing them and we're not doing them, it is sin. Now, does God know what I do not do that I should do? Yes. So who is personally responsible for what I don't do that I should be doing? It's me. Who is personally responsible for not doing what you should be doing? Well, that's you. So we are personally responsible to God for what we don't do. Now, we are also personally responsible to God for what he's given us. Let's start in Luke chapter 12 and look at verses 16 to 21. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. He here is Jesus, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You see, we see that we are personally responsible to God for what God has given us. If God blesses us, he expects us to share those blessings. The rich man here in Luke 12 was not going to do that. He's keeping everything for himself. It's a me, 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 me world out there. But Christians are not to have that attitude. We are to share with others. In 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward is an individual who takes care of someone else's household. And we must be faithful 
with what God has given us. Don't waste it. Use it in a way that God would have us to use it. Such as 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. It says there, but this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound unto you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. There are a lot of good works out there. And I'm talking about works of the church. Missionaries to be supported, the poor to help, the hungry to feed. You know, we do those things whenever the need arises. We should not be saving up our money because like that rich fool, someday that's all going to be somebody else's anyway. And besides that, it belongs to God. And he's just sharing that with us. So who is personally responsible to God for what God has given me? I am. Who is personally responsible to God for what God has given you? You are. So who is God going to hold personally responsible for what he's given me? It's me. And who is God going to hold personally responsible for what he has given you? It's you. Well, we are also personally responsible to God for the priorities that we set in life. That goes right along with what God has given us. Back in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and I want to start there in verse 25, and we're going to go through the end of the, end of the chapter. Matthew 6, 25, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat or food, and the body more than raiment. The word there, take no thought, means distressed in mind. You see, we get distressed in mind so much that we lose sight of the priorities that God has given us. And then Jesus gives some examples. Verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Look at the birds, Jesus says. They don't run around on little John Deere tractors and they don't go out building their barns so that they can store all their food up and stuff. No, God takes care of them. And he says, you know, aren't you better than a bird? 
Verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Can we do that? I'll sit down there and concentrate. I don't want to be 5'10". I want to be 6'1". Oh, concentrate, concentrate. No, you can't. You worry about it. You get anxious about it. You can't change it. Where are your priorities, in other words? Now, verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment, for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Look at the flowers. Look at the plants. They're not out running around on little John Deere tractors or whatever, Kubota or whatever. They just grow. Why? Because God takes care of them. And he said even Solomon in all his glory could compare to one of the flowers that God makes. Verse 20, verse 30, I mean. Wherefore, or because of that, this is the conclusion if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, verse 31, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But then he gives the medicine. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, here Jesus gives us the order of of importance in our lives. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things you'll receive. God knows you need those things. And then he says, take no thought for the morrow. In other words, don't worry about tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. In other words, don't worry about the future. Get your priorities right now. And then look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And we want to begin there in verse 57. And we're going to look down through verse 62. It says, It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Or in other words, are you sure you want to do this? 
you better count the cost. Now, if you follow him, follow Christ, that's putting the proper priority out there. But are you going to be able to do it? Do you really have your heart set on following him? Or do we go back to Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. For either you'll hate the one and love the other, you should cling to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's basically what Jesus is saying here. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve the world. Verse 59. He said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Where's your priorities? Again, commentators are a little different on these things. Maybe the father had already died or maybe he was near death. He was old. But Jesus told him to get his priorities right. Verse 60. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. There's people out there that need to hear the word of God. Verse 61. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. <clears throat> and Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looketh back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, we need to get our priorities straight. How many times would we miss services because we have company? The old company came in and they, don't it, they expect us to be there and we hadn't seen them in so long and we need to see them. And Well, where's your priority? Take them to services with you. How many times do we miss gospel meetings or services or the good things we could do because of ball games? You know, you look out on any Sunday during the football season and you see thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, sometimes sitting in very inclement weather enjoying every minute of it instead of and that may be for three or four hours and then they want it to go into overtime and yet if the preacher in a comfortable building in padded pews goes five minutes overtime people go ballistic and yet why? Because they want to go out and eat or they want to go watch the game on TV or whatever. Where are our priorities? We are personally responsible for our priorities. When was the last time we went door knocking? When was the last time we went to an area gospel meeting? You know, well, I couldn't go because I was tired. But you know what? If there was a high school basketball game, football game, or whatever, I'd go to that. I'm never too tired for that. Never too tired for the club meeting. Never too tired to go hunting or fishing. Never too tired to do the things that I want to do. See, that's the problem.
our priorities are oftentimes in their own place. The question then comes is, does God accept excuses? Does God know what my priorities in this life are? Yes, he does. Does God know what your priorities in this life are? Yes, he does. Who is personally responsible for the priorities I set in life? Well, that's me. Who is personally responsible for the priorities you set in life? Well, that's you. You see, we are each personally responsible for all that we do in this life. We are personally responsible to God for what we say, what we do, what we don't do, for what he's given us, for the priorities we set in life. And we can't blame anybody else for the things which we are responsible for. You know, if you're not a Christian today, you are personally responsible to change that. If you are a Christian, you are personally responsible for every action and non-action in your life. You know, there was a little personal responsibility model that I found. And the first thing, whenever we do something, we know it's wrong, we get caught at it, the first thing we do is deny a lot of time. We deny that it ever happened. No, no, no. I didn't do that. I'm not responsible for doing that. It's somebody else's fault. We place blame somewhere else than on ourselves. Well, when that blame doesn't work and we're still shown to be, oh, it's your fault, don't we try to justify our actions. Well, I did that because this, this, and this. Well, I lied because I didn't want to look bad. I lied because I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I took that drink because my friends wanted me to. I mean, etc., etc., etc. We try to justify our actions. And when that justification fails, it causes shame. We're ashamed of what we did. And then we have two choices. We can either just quit, like Judas. Judas was ashamed of what he did when he betrayed Christ. And what did he do? He went out and hung himself. He just quit. Or we could accept the obligation. You see, that's what Peter did. When he denied the Lord three times, Jesus looked at him when that cock crowed. And he went out and wept bitterly. He repented. 
And then is when we take personal responsibility for our actions. Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to the program today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting our website, BibleWayMedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.